The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This grand tradition, I am pleased to announce that today's lucky bird and guest of honor is named Pease, along with his alternate named Carrots. The children will understand that. The winner of this vote was decided by a fair and open election conducted on the White House website. This was a fair election. Unfortunately, Carrots refused to concede and demanded a recount, and we're still fighting with Carrots. <laughs> and I will tell you, we've come to a conclusion. Carrots, I'm sorry to tell you, the result did not change. It won't be entirely a rest. Even though peas and carrots have received a presidential pardon, I have warned them that House Democrats are likely to issue them both subpoenas. <laughs> Nonetheless, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I will be issuing both peas and carrots a presidential pardon. Peas, I hereby grant you a full pardon. <laughs> This is your United States of America. Speak your mind. Cross the line now, say the truth. Why don't you take it back? This is Hitting the Marks a podcast that's got topics for days and it'll leave you in a haze hosted by two mother assholes that like to talk about everything news sports politics pro wrestling people jumping off buildings taco shops top 10 lists and more it's got one guy who likes to get high on a lot of grass and the other guy who got shot in the ass and now here's your host of the hitting the marks podcast jargo and rbv Thanks, MSG, and hello, ladies and guys, and welcome to the Hitting the Marks podcast right here at the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, and Hameen Media online, hackerhameen.podbean.com, and Hameen Media Group.podbean.com. I am the aforementioned Jargo. I will be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, and this week he's the foodie. He's the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that R of the B to the V. Richard Bronson Vickery. Turkey Day is is almost here, Jargo. I think more importantly to me, you know, is we've got, you know, Survivor Series in the world of professional wrestling just behind us. And you and I regularly said this begins truly the, the road to WrestleMania. I guess, you know, what Thanksgiving is, it kicks off that holiday season. Hey, and you've got to believe RBB Fitness, delicious of the day. This is our time of the year. This is This is what we were made for, baby. This is our run towards greatness, towards our Super Bowl through the end of this year. Hey, and I've already got some projects lined up that I, I'm excited. Uh, you know, I'm going to share them here on the Hitting the Marks podcast, but a couple of things to keep under the wraps for the next couple of weeks. But I, I could feel it. I guess, can you smell it, Jargo? It's in the air. Can you smell it? I can smell it. It's going to be Thursday this week. Um, you know, it's funny because of all the major holidays, number one, I'm not a big holiday person to begin with. But of all of them, Thanksgiving has always been my least favorite holiday. I know it's one of your personal favorites. Well, it is for different reasons there. And I guess I, I can, I'll pull the curtain back here a little bit. 
Uh, I'm not really big into the traditional style Thanksgiving foods. So as we're going to talk about here a little bit later on the show, uh, we're going to share some some tips, some treats that are maybe unique in flavor. Yeah, you can bring people up to speed or, and maybe experience a little bit different outside of the box. Thanksgiving, we'll call it. Yeah, so we are going to talk about Thanksgiving this week. We'll talk a little bit about The Undertaker and what happened at Survivor Series. And then we're going to devote most of the show to our good friend, Big Ray Hernandez, who who sent us in a nice little note, wanted us to talk about the Knicks. And, you know, as I was looking at the Knicks, I was like, you know what, man? There's a lot of things about New York that just sincerely piss me off. Well, you know, very fitting here. We've got Thanksgiving. Uh, we've got the Knicks. We've got politics. We, we got that cesspool, New York City. So there's plenty of, of turkeys to go around. There's plenty of turkeys to go around. Very, very well said, Huckleberry. Very well said. But, of course, we got to start off with the weekend update. And, uh, man, I got to tell you, I was so boring this weekend. Like, I, I, I watched a little bit of UFC. I watched a little bit of WWE. I watched a whole lot of New Japan. I watched a whole lot of stardom. And that was about it, man. I had a very, very uneventful weekend with the exception of, you know, finally getting drafted by the Golden State Warriors in NBA 2K21. That's right. I made it to the big leagues, the number two pick in the draft. Huckleberry, did you do anything exciting this weekend? Because I had a really boring weekend and I like it that way. I got to tell you, I don't know about this segment. I feel like I got to be out making the most of every weekend now. (laughs) Just like something to kick the show off with. But no, you know, it looks like Friday evening was probably it for uh, the track this year. Maybe this week where we're getting some decent looking weather. I don't know about the temperatures and the wind there. They want to be running. Uh, But yeah, even up in the tower on Friday night, just knowing that we were going to be missing out on what had been what we were hoping was going to be just a tremendous weekend of action on the track there for Saturday and Sunday. And our Fridays are, are they're called test and tune. So it's just you kind of get out there. It's like your practice mode. You know, you get out there, your toy with the car, you, you kind of figure out what your runs are going to be. It, it's really for the driver. And it, it, it's not an opportunity for me to get overly involved as you would with the actual, you know, bracket style racing going on. And even since someone said to me at one point, you know, you don't seem as enthusiastic. And I really said, I feel like I'm calling week 17 of a Bengals game. It just doesn't matter at this point. We're going home for the season. We're, we're riding it out. Uh, but no, Saturday had, had a tremendous day uh, out and about for work, hit up a couple of events. And it, it was food photo day, which was one of my favorite days for my work. So I was going to each of the stops and ordering up three or four delicious dishes at each of those and making sure that I got some photos for them. And the best part about that is after the photos are done, you know, what do you do with it? So it, it, it becomes a contributor to RBV Fitness. You know, you bring up the Bengals in Week 17. I don't have anything about it on the run today, but I, I have to just basically assume that the entire city of Cincinnati yesterday was crying into their beer and their Cincinnati-style chili. Joe Burrow out for at least the rest of this season, and I'm hearing today, Huckleberry, torn ACL, torn MCL, we may not see him at all next season either. You know, immediately following the injury, Burrow 
you know, he takes to Twitter himself and says, you know, you can't get rid of me that easily. I'll see you next year. And that, that's the, the fighting spirit inside of, you know, what is a tremendous promising athlete. Hopefully this isn't going to cut short what could have been a, a promising career. Well, I mean, really what cut it short was being drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. You, you really would. I mean, there was a sense of sorrow. Uh, there was a letdown. But I think that was a quickly diminished and erased in everyone's minds when you look around and realize that is just the history and what happens with this franchise. Even Bengalized is kind of the slogan around here and more people are coming to, to they can cope with it in that fashion again. But when you really break this down, what we have talked about, you know, going back to the days of hashtag HTM sports is a franchise that is going to create a culture that knows how to cultivate young talent. That's not the Cincinnati Bengals. They did not put this young, tremendous talent like Joe Burrow in a position to succeed whatsoever. I mean, we're talking about, you know, if you put him up against the other rookie quarterbacks, he's been hit like 70 something more times than anybody else. And I know people, oh, look at the stats, look how incredible was that right there. That was a telling sign of trouble ahead that you should be asking a potential franchise quarterback his rookie year to do so much with so little around him. Again, this falls on piss poor management and ownership from this team. And again, it's never going to change here until you start taking away those perks like the draft that allow them to just fester in their own misery and just refuse to improve or evolve. I felt so bad for Joe Burrow, and it was just compounded by the fact that we literally talked about this a year ago. Like Everybody that follows the NFL in any way, shape, or form, we all saw this coming when it looked like the Bengals were going to have the number one pick. He actually made it further than I thought that he would. So, you know, props to Joe Burrow on that. Very, very disappointing. And you, well, he went out there and was a tremendous performance after performance. Always kept his chin out, chin up. Was going out there, in giving spite it of the team, not because had. of the team. Absolutely. And you know, when you're not going to put any of those key pieces around him again, and this goes back, to, you know, this could this could happen to so many franchises. And you look forward to you know whoever might be those early picks next year because the Bengals, are, from all indication now, are still going to have a top five pick. By the time Burrow gets back to the field, they might have two more top five picks under their belt. By the time he is really back to where he is going to contribute to this team going forward, again, an absolute joke. And I know injuries can happen anywhere, anytime to anybody. But again, it is about there is prevention in those cases there. What you've done now, again, going back to getting rid of the NFL draft is you have damn near secured someone that would have been a major superstar inside your league for years to come is going to have their career cut short because of that. Yeah. It, it, it's really sad. I, what is kind of the feeling there in Cincinnati? Because it, it, reality has to be setting in. Okay. Now we know it's an ACL and an MCL. He's probably going to be out for at least 12 months. There's absolutely no reason for him to even think about playing next year. If you're not going to be back until like week nine or 10, the Bengals are going to be out of it by then. So why even bother? I think in your presentation of this thing is it's smoke and mirrors. You've got to give a fan base that is barely holding on to anything a little bit of faith. And you go, you, you approach the recovery full speed 
pitching that out there that, you know, as soon as he is, you know, as soon as he can get back to this field, he wants to be a part of this franchise. He wants to be here for the city, for this fan base. But in reality, you know, in the back of your mind is management. That is not happening, especially a year out from now. You're sitting still with two wins, you know, going into next season. There's absolutely no reason that you run him out there and risk any further, you know, you know, more damaging injury. And if you draft anything other than offensive linemen in the first, like, three rounds this coming season, I, I don't even want to hear about it. You know what I mean? Like, just just do it. Just do it. Uh, what Another boots-on-the-ground report around there. I know you got a lot of Steelers fans around there. Are they all just flying ha- high and think that this season is, like, on ice for them at this point? Yeah, Steelers fans, are, they're mighty confident. And, you know, they can be uh, a bit over the top and annoying at times. But they usually are based in reality. I don't think they really get too far out of the realm. Uh, so, the, you know, the ones that I've that I've really been talking to, you know, they realize it now. They're pretty humble when these targets are on their back. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're used to having that to a certain extent. But now that you are in that top position, uh, I think they're being very cautious of, of how confident that they – they project themselves. We will talk a little bit more about the Steelers here in just a little bit when we talk about football on Thanksgiving. Huckleberry, I guess that's really where we got to start off. We got to start off with COVID Thanksgiving. Like th- this is like the strangest Thanksgiving of all the strange Thanksgivings. Um, the CDC now even issuing guidance about lower risk activities, moderate risk activities, high risk activities, people you should let in your house, people you shouldn't let in your house. Although, you know, they're saying no travel is advised. Huckleberry, is your family getting together on Thursday? Uh, Well, it's kind of a two-part thing. On my Vickery side, we, we would regularly in years past, we would go out for Thanksgiving. It wasn't a gathering at someone's house. Obviously, if we were still following, you know, that tradition, we would be completely done. Uh, really, what we've had happen with the Vickery side over the last couple of years is because, you know, as families grow and people get married and you incorporate other families and things like that, it, it just became easy for us to say, you know what, everyone just kind of go do your thing. Uh, what we'll typically do, we will likely do is we'll get the the little base of us uh six, seven of us, whatever, those that want to partake in it, it will probably meet somebody somewhere Wednesday for a happy hour. Everybody chip in, get some appetizers, enjoy a few cocktails. That will be our holiday. And Thursday, everybody kind of go on their way to, you know, their spouses or whatever, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever that case might be. My mom's side, yeah, they they do the big thing. They're they're going out to Indiana, going out to one of my younger cousins' house. They'll have the other side of the family. There'll probably be 25, 30 people there. But they got enough room. They have planned it out uh, where they can go from the basement to the living room to the garage. So there is distancing. They are going to practice as safely as they can. But I don't think that the urgency has really set in yet. Interesting. Here's what the CDC is currently recommending. Your lower risk activities would be having a small dinner with people that only live in your household. Somehow that's low risk if you do it on Thanksgiving as opposed to every other day of the year. I mean, they're the people in your household. 
preparing a traditional family recipe for family and neighbors, especially those at higher risk of severe illness from COVID-19 and delivering it to them. Having a virtual dinner. So if you know you want to have a Zoom Thanksgiving, you know, they, they recommend that. Shopping online rather than in person the day after Thanksgiving or the next Monday. And of course, watching sports events, parades, and movies from home. Uh, Huckleberry, I, I will confess, I'm doing absolutely nothing on Thanksgiving. I mean, we, we might have like, you know, a, a special supper. But for me, it's just Thursday. I still got to go to work on Wednesday night and get off Thursday morning, just like I typically do. And I got to go in Thursday night at 11 and work until 7. What of this lower risk activities? Like, this just sounds like a regular Thursday any day of the, or any week of the year. I think really what these guidelines is, what they're asking you to do is just go about as a regular Thursday. And if you happen to want to make yourself, you know, a turkey dinner with all the trimmings, please do that. But keep it to those that are under your immediate household instead of having these large gatherings. Uh, again, I, to me, it just comes off as more scare tactics. Well, there's a lot of that going on with COVID right now. And, and in so many ways, you've got, like I had mentioned, you know, where my family, the Vickery side, we usually go somewhere for, you know, go out for lunch. Now, the restaurants here in Ohio are still open, but you get to that where we're pressing that there where the fam, the media family has expanded to, you know, where there might be, you know, 12 to 14 individuals. The seating becomes an issue there. How you gather and how you kind of mingle because you got to stay seated in those times. That becomes an issue. Turnover, just occupying that much space inside of a restaurant, that's going to be a no-no. I mean, we used to go, we'd love to go to the casino, like the casinos where you could get, uh, you know, do a buffet or whatever. Those are completely gone here. Ohio has everything shut down, all retail, all bar, restaurant at 10 p.m. They go right across the river here in Kentucky. You get into Louisville where Dr. Beast is at. They are on a shutdown. They don't have anything available like that. You know, they can get into their grocery stores, things like that, but they're back to just a basic statewide shutdown. So it's across the board. It's going to be completely different. So you know, when you have you know, a large group like this that's trying to come out and give you, I don't say mandates, but they're giving you suggestions to try to help out with this COVID thing. Again, there is no blanket answer. And what's going to work for some isn't going to work for others. And it's the responsibility of, of each individual. If you don't feel comfortable in a situation like that, then stay home. Then they list moderate risk activities. You know, So if you have to gather with your family, this is how you should do it. Have a small outdoor dinner with family and friends inside of your community. Of course, here in Iowa, it's right now 38 degrees. We're expecting three inches of snow overnight tonight into tomorrow huckleberry is there any way that you guys could have an outdoor dinner in ohio this year uh absolutely not come on man we're not getting the snow that you're getting yet but you know it's it's into you know the low 50s 40s winds now now you know we ran into this a couple weeks ago you know just on halloween where we were trying to have a gathering for grandpa's wake right Uh, we had a very limited time the window inside of the funeral service they were Maybe they were very strict in their regulations and keeping social distancing and, you know, when, how, you know, what you could actually do. Uh, they were, you know, they highly encouraged there, which is very hard inside of, you know, that funeral kind of atmosphere is there is no contact with one another. You're you, just by nature, you want to embrace one another and you want to be close to family members and all that. Uh, but even finding somewhere to have the wake, fortunately, we, 
have extended family member who has a warehouse that we were able to use. Uh, and that's, you know, how we were have, you know, ours was such a success there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those are difficulties that people were running into here. Crazy. I do like this one. And this is one that I would advise visiting pumpkin patches or orchards where people use hand sanitizer before touching pumpkins or picking apples. Wearing masks is, of course, encouraged or enforced and people are able to maintain social distancing. I think that's a good one. If you're somewhere where it's actually, you know, warm enough that you can actually still take the kids out to a place like a pumpkin patch or an apple orchard, I'm all over that. Like, that sounds amazing for Thanksgiving. And I'll be sitting inside, like, you know, by a heater trying to stay warm. Well, I think and those are kind of like just activities for the holiday as well. Not necessarily your gathering, right? If you want to go get out and do something that's along the themes, if you want to get into the spirit of the holidays, you know, kind of examine these options. Uh, I know our zoo here in Cincinnati, they're still moving forward with their Festival of Lights. They've actually have expanded it now where they're pitching this thing. It is the biggest and brightest and most magnificent that they've ever had. It's simply because they've distanced some things out. Interesting. They, they, they do a big thing at the zoo there? Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's a, a holiday tradition, a festival of lights. Uh, you see them across the country there. It plays into, you know, like the Hanukkah theme and all of that. Uh, but they got all, they incorporate the different holidays that go on through November, December, and they got different light displays. And in years past, they would have different, you know, features open with the animals and things like that. Major attraction here at the Cincinnati Zoo. Interesting. Uh, they're, they're still moving forward, but, you know, that you're outdoors. Uh, I believe that they have closed off all their indoor attractions of things like that. They've spread some things out. I believe there's more accessibility if you want to do a part just inside of a vehicle. But you know, you want to you want to continue on with these traditions. And now we're sitting to see we're starting to see where people are talking about canceling a lot of these things. The final thing they list under moderate risk activities is attending a small outdoor sporting event with safety precautions in place. Huckleberry, I don't know how it is in Ohio. But here in Iowa, COVID Kim, that's what we recall our governor now, COVID Kim, she's got the entire state shut down to the point where the only thing that is allowed to participate were the state football championships that were happening up at UNI and the Unidome and college football. That's really the only thing that's going on as far as outdoor sporting events here in Iowa. Uh, I, I know here we've still got, there's some youth sports going on. Obviously, you had high school sports still going on, but but they've got, you know, each league, area, school district, whatever the case might be, they're regulating that on their own basis and how they think, you know, what's going to be safe for their fans in their area. Again, it goes back to there is no blanket answer for this. Your higher risk activities, things that you absolutely should not do. Probably things I do every day. Probably. Is the first one go to a bar? <laughs> Going shopping in crowded stores just before, on, or after Thanksgiving. Black Friday has been tradition in this country for as long as I can remember. Huckleberry, is your family Black Friday shoppers? Not really. I don't think anyone's really ever been over the top about it inside of my family. But, you, I mean, you're talking about what the retail industry, what this time of year means to those businesses oh it's I mean, no going joke. back you know going back a ways that was it roosevelt franklin roosevelt that wanted to move thanksgiving to try to open up more of a shopping season to help boost the economy coming after the wars you know i mean that's what that's what this boom period absolutely means now we're seeing i was joking the other day 2020 
Black Friday is going to be longer than Black History Month. That's what that's what we've got going on here. They're extending all of these sales, or they're coming at us in blocks. I believe you know Walmart has been all over the advertising. I believe they're running three blocks uh, of different deals featuring different marquee spotlight items. Insane. I am not a Black Friday shopper, although I did work in retail for years, and I that was like Super Bowl day. Well, I think what's going to be really interesting, and I know we're going to do a follow-up on it, is going to see the effects of actual in-house purchasing on Black Friday and then looking at the increase on your Cyber Monday deals. Yeah. Well, and even Cyber Monday at this point has become like a month-long event. Absolutely. It's crazy. Uh, this one they obviously put in here just for you, Huckleberry, participating or being a spectator at a crowded race. Not recommended by the CDC. Attending crowded parties, attending large indoor gatherings with people outside of your household. And this one just absolutely hilarious to me. Using alcohol or drugs that may alter judgment and make it more difficult to practice COVID-19 safety measures. Thank you, CDC, for telling us not to do drugs. Hey, you know what, man? With the knuckleheads I roll with, I, and I know some guys that can throw down. I mean, I'm talking when we go out, it, it's not uncommon, you know, within an hour or two, we're through a bottle of whiskey or something like that. Uh, none of us have been sick. I, I want to see some testing, some background there, some research. If maybe our lifestyle is actually killing this thing off. Well, it, it, it's rather irrelevant, Huckleberry, because the vaccine is coming. That's all anybody can talk about all of a sudden is the vaccine, whether it be the Pfizer vaccine or the Moderna vaccine. I saw there was another company came out with theirs today, supposedly like 90% effective. You know, that's one of the things that is just driving me insane, right? If you have a vaccine that's even 99% effective, right? That one person who gets it can infect everybody. So when does all this bullshit stop? When can we stop with the fucking mass? When can we stop with the social distancing? When can I actually spend Thanksgiving with my family? Not that I necessarily want to, but, you know, at least that would be out there for me to do so. When does this bullshit stop? Because unless you have a vaccine that is 100% effective, what's the fucking point? What's the end game here? No, I think, you know, what's what's the issue is going to be when you're saying what's the point here? Yeah, obviously, that's those are tremendous odds. We want something out there. If it, if it actually can live up to that billing, that it's going to take care of 99% of this population, that's fine. But we're going to have all this backlash. That's still, but there's still that 1%. So we still have to... We still have to mandate and regulate everything. We still have to have our social distancing rules. You still have to be at 35, 45, 50, 60 percent capacity inside of your bars and restaurants. You're going to have that voice that doesn't want to that doesn't want to give up here because it is a fear control tactic that is being implemented by the left here. It, it, it is just completely out of control. I also see people talking about how oh I'm not taking the vaccine. Why? Well, well, you, 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 do you even know what the vaccine is? Like, there is a very specific reason that I am not going to take this vaccine, and that's because it's an mRNA vaccine, and I don't trust this shit. I don't like what this is. I don't like what it's all about. This is all fucking human genome project shit, man. Did you see how this vaccine works? Well, yeah, we've looked into this here, but you've also got that scare tactic out there. And this is a bigger issue that you've got people that are just so terrified and untrusting of our system 
that they immediately assume that this is something terrible without 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 properly doing the research on it. I mean, the thing is, the way that this vaccine is going to work, right, is they inject you with this protein and the protein has the little spikes on it, just like the coronavirus does. I mean, I think we've all seen those pictures of the little spikes, right? So they inject you with this protein and there's so much of it that it literally changes your DNA to recognize those things with the spikes. Oh, that's not important. We can just kill those off. You know, that's clearly not supposed to be here. They're literally changing your very DNA. And the thing that's terrifying to me about this is this guy, Francis Collins. He's the doctor that nobody talks about. He's the guy who's actually in charge of all this bullshit. Fauci and Burks, they both report to Francis Collins. And Francis Collins was a high up in the human genome project. And Rick, at a certain point, if these people have their way, here's what's going to happen. You have a pregnant woman and they can go in and they can extract a piece of the embryos DNA and they can look at this kid and they can make this kid a cocktail that will make him immune to everything. You want a baby with blonde hair and blue eyes? Yeah, we can put that into the DNA sequence. Oh, you want you want your kid to grow up to be, you know, seven foot four, 380 pounds and have, you know, the genetic makeup of LeBron James. Yeah, we can do that. We can manipulate the DNA in the embryo form to create your perfect human being. You're not about a la carte babies? Fuck no. Yeah, but this isn't anything new. I mean, this is that they have been No, but with this, this is thing. how it starts is with these I, mRNA vaccines. It, it has started. It just has started. I remember hearing about this, you know, as a kid and and were they had issues with this coming out of labs in the 80s and I'm sure even beyond that any sort of manipulation you have this active and again this is where a lot of people are so afraid of these vaccines and you see this more it's more common that the individuals that are afraid of these vaccines simply on the base of you know that that go more to the right conservative because they're god-fearing and it is you know is this it's the perception of the manipulation of our dna and these people trying to step in and really redirect evolution yeah it's some scary fucking shit It really is. I mean, the more and more you look into these mRNA vaccines, like they can just, you know, look at your genetic makeup and say, oh, you're going to be over the course of your lifetime more likely to catch breast cancer. But, you know, we can change that. And the problem is going to be the system is going to become so freaking corrupt. That's the problem. Oh, yeah, we can change that. It's going to cost you five thousand dollars. You know, like that, that's where it's going to, that line is going to have to get drawn. And it it is some scary fucking shit, man. This is going to be for the elite and just trickle down. Well, and then you run into, uh, you get to certain elite here and then you're going to really run into issues of what kind of government rules that you have. You know, where are they going to cut this thing off of as you look more towards, you know, socialists, utopias or whatever the hell you want to go with. Uh, is this going to be more widespread? What does this mean just for even our population? I mean, overpopulations and our resources. I mean, you can't just be cranking out, you know, perfect being after perfect being after all these generations. We're not going to have people, you know, going away. We're going to be using up more of our natural resources, which ultimately is going to bring the end of, you know, we're going to burn the planet out. 
Well, and the other thing that's going to happen is, you know, we'll just find whoever the perfect soldier is. Let's say it's Rambo. And we're just going to clone it. And we'll just make like, you know, 5,000 Rambos. We'll have the perfect soldier. It'll be just like the fucking Star Wars and the goddamn Clone Wars. Everybody, all the stormtroopers were just cloned off of Jango Fett. Some scary shit, man. Very, then, very is scary. The only shit. way we'll be able to combat it is with the rise of the Terminators. <laughs> oh, dear God. Fucking Skynet. Yeah, 5G. Yeah, we could do a whole show on that. But let's talk about Thanksgiving food, Huckleberry. What what are you guys going to do for Thanksgiving food? Because I, I have to imagine, like, I picture one of those, like, Last Supper tables that's like, you know, it basically takes up two rooms and it's got just a little bit of everything. And that's what I assume it is like at an RBV Fitness Thanksgiving feast. Well, yeah, and that's just for me, you know. <laughs> That's before the family gets here. But now, now you've got me. Now you've got me all worked up about. Now we're manipulating our DNA here, and now I'm even rethinking how I approach just preparing my my meal, because as I said, you know, I'm not really much in the, the traditional flavors of Thanksgiving. You know, I like uh, I like this unique little twist on on things here, and I think you know one of the most unique that's out there that's that's really been catching on here in the last couple of years. It, it brings a hell of a flavor. To, to any meal is you got to get that turkey in the deep fryer and and be sure that you don't light your shit on fire well and it, you know that's what we really wanted to take i guess this is like our 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 good deed if you will is to uh to, to maybe bring some safety tips but then we'll jump in as you know with the jar goes doing some side dishes notes but but for the turkey itself if you're going to use this deep fryer it could be a very tricky situation, and this is just not for the, the novice. You want to do your research. Charger, get a hold of this, man. There are at least five deaths every year. Uh, this is going back about 50 years. Five deaths related to deep-frying turkeys. Holy shit, dude. Uh, we got five deaths, 60 injuries, uh, and more than uh, you have the losses of over 900 homes a year. Because if something goes wrong with the deep fryer and the turkey. While you were talking there, I just Googled this. In 2018, U.S. fire departments responded to an estimated 1,630 home cooking fires on Thanksgiving. Yes, and there you go. It's because you're, they're not coming in prepared for this thing. So a few a few little tips for, for everybody out there that might be looking for something a little unique to really spice up that Thanksgiving, bring the serious flavor, but to make sure you're still standing at the end of the day there. Uh, you know, the first time out, it, it doesn't hurt to, to maybe get a smaller bird uh, and do some practice. Get a little preseason before you go try dropping that, you know, that 12 to 15 pound bird in there. Uh, when you do get to the to the main event, to the actual big bird there, you, you want to make sure that this thing is fresh or completely thawed out. That's one of the biggest mistakes is the, going from frozen while you're just completely emerging this thing into the oil. Speaking of the oil, don't use too much. Do not use too much on this, on this bad boy. Watch your temperatures on this thing. Don't get to where it's overly boiling 
on it. Watch your temperature on the bird. You're looking for that 165 range. You want to constantly be checking that while it's in there. I, I guess this is what it, it Maybe it sounds like it should be obvious. Make sure you're doing this outside. You, you know, we say that that should be obvious, but, you know, there's roughly 80 million people that voted for Joe Biden. All right. So so one, I guess we're, we're going to say make sure you got your setup. We'll, we'll backtrack here a little bit. Make sure you got your setup outside. Uh, make sure that you have the appropriate size deep fryer pot or use an appropriate size deep fryer, whatever the case might be. Um, you know, most people use one of the big hanger pots to go into there. Uh, make sure that you're, you've got the appropriate oil levels. Make sure that you're not too over hot there. You've got that thaw or fresh bird. Don't regularly be moving in out of the pot. You're just causing more commotion with that oil. You're giving splashback, whatever the case might be, put it there and let that thing sit. Okay, it's okay to check your thermometer. Watch watch that temperature rise. Again, you're looking for that 165 there. Don't leave it unattended. Dear God, no. Yeah, do not leave it unattended. And whoever is your, your bird guru, your, your fry daddy of the day, uh, maybe they hold off on drinking until the bird is done. <laughs> Those are all good tips, man. Uh, my my other tip, maybe they hold, hold off on that. My 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 other tip would be just make something other than turkey. Like, where did this turkey thing come from? Why do we always do turkey? Well, they were so plentiful there at the time, and we'll get let's get we'll get at some other main dishes here. But hey, if, if deep frying, you know, if you're going to more traditional, you're putting that bad you're putting that bad bird in the oven. Uh, you want to do some extra some do different flavors there. A popular this year around the Cajun. Give that thing a nice dry rub before you pop it in there. Get a, you know, really so that's good. put some kick behind that, some Cajun. Bacon wrapped. I've done the bacon wrapped turkey. And wrap it. It's awesome. You got to do the cross stitch pattern on it, but it's, it's, it tastes fucking fantastic. It's a real bitch to cook, though. Now, if you've got one available to you, or you can use, really, you, you can get a home recipe for this thing. You know, what goes perfect? with that turkey or inside of that turkey is the stuffing. And this is for the oven. You don't want to be stuffing anything into a turkey while you're deep frying it. That's when you just do the dressing side of it. Could you imagine what would happen if you did that? <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah. So stuffing is for the oven. You don't want to put that into the deep fryer. Uh, but my favorite here, cause you know, there, you can't walk outside and throw a rock without hitting one white castle stuffing. White castle it, stuffing. It, it is beyond belief it, it is so delicious it is incredible really you get about you get about 10 sliders you finally bun and all onion get them you just go go right up to the white castle that day and get them get them fresh uh done them with the frozen ones before and just kind of heated them up but you, you finally dice those up so you get all that together toss whatever else you like in there the celery the onions if you like carrots in there add your salt your pepper your, your paprika your oregano whatever you do to yours though that White Castle in there sets it off. Delicious from, you know, if you do the stuffing or the dressing side of it. But, you know, both huge hits there to, to really pop that turkey for you. Huh. Interesting. Now, now outside of that, you know, you got your other traditions. Ham. Uh, to me, that's a little too much. I, I like to go one way or the other. Uh, duck has always been big for the holidays. Uh, if you want to go with a little bit more exotic there. Uh, Jargo, I know you, you've kind of got you got your own taste. You got your own flavors there. Now you kind of push the turkey out yourself. What what would you suggest? I mean, what hits the spot for you for that main dish? 
if I have my choice, if somebody else is doing the cooking and ask me what do I want for Thanksgiving, I will go to duck every time. I really, really enjoy duck. Um, but if I am cooking and I have like people coming over, 90% of the time I'm going to end up doing ham. Ham's not bad. Uh, you have some other things on Thanksgiving. It's Iowa. It's Iowa. We've got fucking pigs everywhere. I mean, well, again, you can you do a, do a nice whole ham. Do you do the honey glazed or? I like to do a citrus base. Like Carly has the recipe, but it, it's freaking fantastic. Where it's it's very um, it's like a orange ham. Like if you if you like uh, Chinese food, you can get orange ham. Very nice. It's very, very similar to that. Now see, if, if I do the hams for my holiday, it is a bourbon glaze wrapped in bacon. Uh, that is the go-to there. Mm, I now, now for your sides, do you, are you, do you like the traditional sides? Uh, do you go with the traditional mashed potatoes and gravy, the green beans, corn, all of that? Well, again, it's Iowa. We put corn with just about everything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, mashed potatoes, corn, ham, gravy, boom call it good like that's all i need uh i, I don't go to the traditional mashed potato and gravy we're doing twice baked potatoes Ooh, i could see that we're, yeah. we're doing those there when we do the corn we're not doing the the niblets there with the, all the delicious butter on there what we're going to do is we're going to take the the baby cuts um the uh stalks of corn we're going to cut those down wrap them in like barbecue then put them on the grill put them in the oven so you get all that sitting there together it's just those little unique things, those little different touches that you can really kick it to the next level. Have you ever done turducken? I have. I, I have before. Uh, Carly and I did a turducken. God, it has to be like eight, nine years ago now. That thing is a real bitch to cook, man. Like, it, it sounds great on paper, but once you start getting into the practicality of a chicken inside of a duck inside of a turkey... It's a lot more difficult than people would think. Uh, yeah. Hell, I, I've, I've worked with some guys, some masterminds, some Dr. Frankensteins that have gone as far to get uh, where you've got the turkey, the duck. They'll get a ham in there, and then they'll work in a brisket. So, oh, I mean, you've got a little shit. bit. You, you've got the entire uh, meat pyramid, baby. Meat mountain. Holy God. Yeah. Jeez. That's RBV Fitness right there. Hey, I, that's another good dish too. If you, if you got people that don't want to do the traditional ham and turkey, get a nice uh, holiday Thanksgiving brisket going. Yeah, no, that that actually sounds amazing. Good holiday brisket. I, I will awesome. say that really sets it off. And if you can find something similar, any kind of burgers will work for it there. And there's home recipes for this for the White Castles, but that the White Castle stuffing is is irresistible, man. I, it, uh, another Thanksgiving tradition of mine. And I know you eat it regularly, but I only eat it once a year, and I'll eat the whole damn tub is cottage cheese. Oh, man, I, I eat cottage cheese just about every fucking day. I mean, Carly, I, Carly just puts a little container into my lunch, and I, I, I take a little thing of cottage cheese with me to work every day. I know it's one of your flavors, but I, I love it. But for whatever reason, I just I, I do a little bit. I do it at the holiday, but I do a whole tub of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, this shit's so good. Got to go 4%, though. 4% small curd. You bet. Good shit. One of the other Thanksgiving traditions, and of course, one of my favorites, is football. Unfortunately, this year, the football games are, are, are a little bit suspect, Huckleberry, because, of course, every year we have the Cowboys. Every year we have the Lions. 
The only problem is, this year in particular, the Cowboys and the Lions both suck. Those but teams are not, awful. It's outside. That's not important to the tradition. And I don't think that's going to affect the bottom line for what it's about. Because, again, it's about that tradition. It's the familiarity. People become accustomed to, no matter what the records, the opponents, the case might be, we know. It, 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 it's like comfort food. We're going to have the Lions in the early game. You've got that Cowboys. And now in these last, what, 15 so years, we've had that third game at it. So we, we just know football is going to be there for us. You know, I'm interested what the ratings do look like this year. I'm, I'm curious if there's a lot more people than normal tune in because they want that sense of normalcy. Or I'm curious if people just tune out because the teams aren't very good. Well, I, I don't think people tuning out will necessarily have anything to do with the teams not being good. I think it's just going to be a continuation of what we've seen people tuning out for is they're kind of turned off by political stance that we've seen from from sports leagues yeah there is an awful lot of that going around but i what i would be interested though is what you regularly see from these thursday night games mr numbers man and you know these these thanksgiving games they usually rank amongst the top rated regular season games of the season absolutely uh, it's not uncommon to see that dallas game as the number one regular season and detroit's usually in the top five yeah these games are there's the Super Bowl and then basically the Thanksgiving games. Those, those are going to be your highest rated TV programs of the year, 90% but, of the time. But with that in the like the kid, the first kickoff now, that opening night. Yeah, when they do the, the Thursday opening night now, I'm sure that's really, really high too. But I mean, just historically, the Thanksgiving games are right up there with the Super Bowl. And I, I guess the biggest question as far as a discussion point goes here is we have the Cowboys, we have the Lions, but then the Thursday night game, which they just added a, a few years back. I said, what, 12 to 15 years ago? Yeah. But the Thursday night game has really kind of become that marquee slot at this point because, you know, it, it's not going to be the Cowboys. It's not going to be the Lions. And typically they end up with two very good teams playing on Thursday night. This year is the Steelers and the Ravens. Ravens going down yesterday. Maybe they're not as good as everybody seems to think they are. But then you also have the undefeated Steelers. I think that game is going to blow the Cowboys and Lions both out of the water. Uh, absolutely. And you look really at the intrigue, you, you know, even with the Ravens losing, uh, you know, people are questioning, are they reeling? Can they get back to what they were? Are they legit? Were, you know, is it just a one trick pony? And again, you know, you got Pittsburgh there with that nine and oh, the top dog, you know, arguably one of the most hated, you know, franchises in all of sports. It, it's that's going to bring a lot of intrigue. I think you're going to see tremendous turnout all day for these games. As people are just looking for a little bit of familiarity and, hey, you know, if you can't get out and about, there's not much going on. Some of the other competition, we're, we're not going to have like the Thanksgiving Day Parade, correct? I was under the understanding that the Macy's Day Parade was going to happen. Okay, they are, they are going forward with it then. Uh, I, you know, that's something, though, that, how is that going to to look at the present with a different presentation? Yeah. You know, is that going to affect their, you know, will people tune away from that? You know, that's kind of, you know, that day you got up, you start with the parade, you, you ride that in the football a little bit. There's going to be a lot that, that plays into this here. Yeah, no, that that that's for certain. Or again, you know, if people aren't gathering, if they're not getting together, 
you know, that's what accounts for a lot of those ratings is because you turn it on kind of in the background. If if you're just kind of staying at home with just, you know, a wife and two kids, you're probably going to go on about your your own regular business and just do some household chores. You're probably going to be more inclined to be sitting online where your attention's not going to be on a football game or relying on that for is like that background entertainment. Yeah, it's, I'm very interested to see what those ratings look like. We may have to get an update. Uh, we were talking off the air here a couple of days ago. I am firmly in support of them putting a flex on these Thanksgiving games. I, I, I'm done with the Cowboys. I'm done with the Lions. I just want to see the best games of the week. But you were saying that you're all about the tradition. I, I don't care. I just want to see good football. No, and again, to me, it's about that familiarity. You know, it's if it's if it's not regular teams I'm not invested in. I might not care about that early game, that four o'clock game, or even the night game, but at least now it's Thanksgiving football. It is a tradition. We are tied in a society to, you know, and you kind of do in that morning game, no matter who they're up against, you find yourself kind of rooting for those, you know, those underdog lions. The fuck I do. Well, a little bit different from you there, but for the rest of the people, you know, they're, they're the lovable losers up there in Detroit. You yeah, know, everybody kind of losers. The Detroit you fall, losers. You fall those little underdogs, and then for the most of the country, it's well, it says their fan base is dwindling. No, it, you know, it is that love or hate where most people are tuning in to see whoever beat the Dallas Cowboys on a grand stage of Thanksgiving. Look at the history here. I mean, it goes back long before the NFL really took to this stage and and took ownership of up Thanksgiving football, but I'm going back to like, it was reading back like 18, like 84 is when he's seen like the college teams and other like local, like territorial regional pro leagues that would be featured with these marquee matchups on a Thursday. People were off. They had things to do. Then you bring in, eventually you bring in television. That's really where the lions got their start was the owner at the time. Was it with the Dumont network? Yeah, you had the ties in there that eventually became CBS there, or yep. was it NBC? Whatever it was, he had those ties, so he could get his his team on national television, which was going to run out all those little regional things that were just running mom pop. He was going coast to coast here. That's in what nineteen thirty four for the Lions. You're you're talking about some history there. The Cowboys came along and got their Thanksgiving deal in the was it sixties or seventies? Um, I think that probably was the sixties. <laughs> I mean, like 66, like mid, yeah, mid 60s. Our they got entire there. lifetime. So, yeah, so they've been a staple there. There's only been a few times where that they haven't been spotlighted on, you know, Thanksgiving. Of course, if there's wars, there was a year we were talking about earlier where they tried moving Thanksgiving and only half the states recognized it. So off days made it a little bit difficult, which is funny, a little fun fact. That year, uh, the Thanksgiving Day game, it didn't involve Dallas or Detroit. It was the Eagles and the Steelers because they didn't have any trouble with in-state travel or or recognizing it. Makes sense. So you want to eliminate all of that. And it's familiarity that people are tuning in. And the numbers are showing. You know, how much better you want to get when they're both in the top five of your most watched regular season games all year. I am so fucking sick of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, this is the I have the, the worst news for you then. You could probably try to make an argument here and kill, like not like they already haven't been through enough Jargo, and you want to just put another dagger in the heart of Detroit. But the bad news is Dallas isn't going anywhere. They have a lifetime deal for themselves on that Thanksgiving thing. That doesn't surprise me. 
Um, I'm just so sick of the goddamn Cowboys, man. I, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't even know how this thing was bargained or how they got it set up. Uh, but yes, they have a guarantee with the league. No matter what the television contracts are, it has to be factored into this thing that Dallas will always, from here on out, play on Thanksgiving. But it's not necessarily the Thanksgiving thing that bothers me. It's that every fucking week, it seems like the goddamn Cowboys are on television. Like, they get more primetime games than any other franchise by far. I'm just, I'm sick of seeing the fucking Cowboys, especially when 90% of the time, they stink. I'm sorry, Cowboys fans. You haven't won anything in an entire generation of people. Like, it's been 25 years. Like, seriously, you're not that fucking great. You've got all these major networks still clamoring to get as much of that cowboy cut as they can. That means they're, they're pulling something. It's they're, the they're Roman Reigns thing. It's like, you know, well, I deserve to be in the main event of WrestleMania because I've been in seven main events at WrestleMania. And it's like, you're you're making our fucking point. Is like, Well, the Cowboys are the top rated team on television. That's because they're always on fucking television. You well, know, it's, it's it, it, you, you look for wins and all that, but it's the same thing. You know how many people sit and complain nonstop that we have to have every Yankee and Red Sox game when they go head to head on ESPN? Hey, I, I don't disagree with you, especially when one of those teams is awful. It's just like, why? I would rather see a good game. See, I think that's where you're overvaluing or maybe uh, overestimating the average fan. They, they, they're, they're looking for that investment and that familiarity. I feel like that investment and that familiarity is at a low that it's never been at. And the reason is fantasy sports because now people are invested in players. They're no longer invested in teams. Yeah, but you have your other outlets for that, you know, and so you're you're still looking at these things. Familiarity is going to win overall. Of course, for us, one of our favorite Thanksgiving traditions is Survivor Series. Because it, it used to be on Thanksgiving, and now they just do it around Thanksgiving. Survivor Series going down last night, as of this recording, in the Thunderdome at the Amway Center. And what everybody's talking about is, thank you, Taker. But Huckleberry, I got to give you a shout out, um, because I, I have to anticipate that you're getting that big, fat WWE royalty check because you're the guy that I heard pitch the hologram of Paul Bear, and they fucking did it, man. Yeah, it, it believe me, it popped me like crazy when they went to it. I had a little bit different. I was going to open up with Paul Bear doing the almost the entrance of the Undertaker. I, I'd say this is the entire thing. You're you're right. You know, Survivor Series was such a tremendous staple, and really, I was you know I was on with Turnbuckle Talk this week, and and then make my triumphant return to the Monday locker room. So I'm sitting there with the the brilliant minds of Ben Hameen and Ted McNaler, and we're going through this thing here. It, it would have been incredible to see WWE try something like going back to that Thursday night. Just, you know, just this year to see if it would bring some intrigue. Uh, something special, you know. Get, you get, you'd get murdered by the NFL. Well, that's as we're talking about football. I'm sitting there thinking, you know, it's... But you still run that risk every week on a Sunday night game. Yeah, but man, I especially I'm talking about especially this year, Steelers and Ravens, like you're going to get murdered. If you scheduled that out in advance, you don't know that. I mean, they're they're still getting whooped by the NFL each and every time they go out. 
But yeah, I mean, if, but they, they need something to bring back as we're talking about tradition and history. They have driven Survivor Series so far into the ground. They, they need to do something that's going to revive some intrigue and interest inside of this thing. And they're so far from it. Uh, and that's, you know, the whole reason that they had to rush this Undertaker retirement ceremony, because they knew there was no interest going into this actual event. So they throw this thing together, what, a month out? If Even that, that, if that two, two to three weeks out to start promoting this thing. Inside the moment, I know a lot of people kind of felt disappointed with it. In the re- in the real time, I was fine with it. Obviously, there's things you would try to tweak, or you, if you were there in the meetings, you would try to suggest. Uh, but I thought overall, it is yeah, this is the end of the persona, the character, the Undertaker's being put to rest. Thank you for you know the 30 years under the hat of of the darkness, all that 30 plus years inside of the industry, giving us us all protecting your persona, taking care of business, protecting the actual business itself. Now go be yourself, be the man, do what you want. And then I wake up early this morning and it's shit the bed. It's all thrown out the window because he's on cameo cutting thousand dollar promos for individuals. One was, was, was for the all elite Scooby doo. Oh my God! You you haven't seen this? No. Uh, it's Undertaker there. He's in the full dress. He's got the coat, the hat on, and there's some kind of like draping behind him, uh, setting there. And he goes into it. All elite Scooby Doo. And, he and he's congratulating him on getting married. Uh, you know, the, the first start I'm sitting there's like, what kind of losers it, oh. gets us here, Jago? Thousand dollars a pop. Oh, and they did. They did thirty of them overnight. Holy shit! Now, now Ben brought up a, a tremendous point. You know the, the namesake here for the Hameen Media Group. How many of those thousand dollars do you think was just Tony Khan fucking with them? <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, I can see it. I can see it. Hey, young bucks, get that Scooby Doo nerd you were kicking around that other day. They're calling to get the Undertaker here, you know. Or oh my god. That's just ridiculous. I don't know, man. I I watched it and uh, it just felt really weird. And I guess part of it is we've seen Undertaker retire how many times now? Like it just doesn't feel like, yeah, okay, we're over it. Like I feel well, like we've heard this promo in the Manhattan Center. We saw him leave his gloves in the ring at WrestleMania. I mean, it's just well, they did try to tie up the loose ends with that. You know, they come back in the documentary there, and he just felt so disappointed in it. Uh, but even this, you know, it did feel really odd. With I didn't necessarily need fans there for the moment. Obviously, that would have been simply incredible, especially for those that could have been in attendance to, to truly see a farewell. Uh, but to have the fake noise and the you know the piped in Undertaker chant it was so over the top. I just uh. and the the other thing I didn't understand was the parade. Like we bring out all the all these no, I, I old legends and, and and it just felt like it took for freaking ever, and then they go to the video package only to come back to. Vince, who's clearly had some kind of work done that was a little bit concerning. Um, and Vince cuts his promo. And then finally, Undertaker comes out and it's like, my God, are, what are we doing? Well, I think, you know, it's a moment. People want to be there to honor him. 
Uh, maybe they, they could well, have they could be one. there, but do they all deserve their own entrance? Well, that's what I'm saying. You, you could have done simply, you know, here they are. We didn't need all those, especially when you're pushing time. You know, what really hurt the the actual main event match of that evening, which I thought was tremendous. So you had Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre that actually look like professional wrestling superstars, like main eventers, like champions. I loved I loved the philosophy inside the match. But after I had already been watching for, what, three and a half, four hours at this point, you know, it's. I get that you're trying to measure each other up. You're both so equal. You're champion versus champion. Who's going to break first? But it's to the point, like, her, and then I'm still looking at the clock. Like, I know I've got 45 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes of Undertaker, you know, farewell to go through. There's where you cut. Now, a lot of people, well, why did they leave? Well, that's why I thought they were saying goodbye to the character. The Undertaker, the character is not going to come out and shake in hands when they hug everybody. You didn't need him in the ring for that. I think it would have been really nice if you would have scattered that that aspect out throughout the night. Give me a reason throughout the night to get excited towards that final farewell. I think they should have done like the Field of Dreams, where I, I think they should have done it the other way around, where you have Undertaker or start the thing with Vince, and then you go to the video package. Undertaker comes out, cuts his little promo, and then as Undertaker's making his exit have all the legends like sitting there waiting for him. Like, come on, man, you're with us now. Well, I, I kind of pitched an idea to, to Ben and Beast about it. If you would have lined the entrance with Druids and then have as they each, as you come down with the camera, they each unhood and it's one of those legends. That would have been cool too. Yeah, no, I like that. You would have had to start with the Godwins though. Because, I mean, if there was anybody that kind of felt out of place, it's like the Godwins are there. Well, you know, really? you know, on Turnbuckle Talk, I bring that up here. I said the most, one of the most awkward parts about this is is Michael Cole trying to explain to me the significance of the Godwins being there. <laughs> or, you know, I'm sorry when I think about, you know, Savio Vega. When I think about, you know, the legends I'm going to see down there or Undertaker's greatest rivals, I'm not thinking Rikishi. Right. And, but now you've got Cole trying to explain to us why they were so tight. Right. Why they were cool. Why it worked. No. Complete miss again. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little weird. And then it's all out the window anyway, uh, because it's it's being tricked out all over town now. You can get The Undertaker for $1,000. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if, I, if I'm more disturbed by, by that. You're just selling out the greatest persona the 30 years of the undertaker there. Uh, I don't know if it's that there are 30 losers that were willing to pay a thousand dollars for this. I almost hope it was a rib by the AEW guys, just wasting money, throwing it around. Uh, but then I figured out who is the, the biggest loser in all of this and possibly society is the, the girl who actually married all elite Scooby. My God, some fucked up people out there. Who, who would marry somebody like that? Noel Foley. <laughs> is brain damage hereditary? Is that what you got? <laughs> oh, oh, that's great. Hami Media Group continues to grow to new heights because of our loyal fan base and incredible sponsors. You followed us on our affiliate Hami Media Group channels for all of our awesome shows, including South Park Reviews, NFO Star Wars, and the Academy Star Trek Reviews, The Horror Junkyard, and all of our affiliate programming. We will continue to bring you the best in wrestling, conspiracy, and alternative media. 
Thank you for supporting our sponsors, subscriptions, sending bits, and promotion of the Hameen Media Group platform. Add both Hacker Hameen and Hameen Media Group on your iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube feeds. Thank you to the following sponsors. Zordos Olive Oil. Zordos Olive Oil is the finest artisan Greek olive oil on the market today. It's also the perfect holiday gift. You can make your family's favorite holiday recipe and they'll say it's the best thing they've eaten all year. It's imported. It's ultra premium Greek olive oil and it's available now at ZordosOliveOil.com. Again, that's ZordosOliveOil.com. Zordos Olive Oil. Taste the difference for yourself. The Coffee Roasters at TheBroasters.com. The new five-pound bag of Vince Russo Bro Coffee is here. Stock up before the next lockdown, bro. TheBroasters.com is the only place to get the limited edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee. Get up and have a cup of bro, bro. Exclusively from TheBroasters.com and RussoBrand.com. Use the official promo code BRO5LB when you place your order and you'll save some money, bro. At Hameen Media Group, we're all about self-improvement. Improve your mind and body with Stevie Richards Fitness. Head over to StevieRichardsFitness.com and take control of your fitness with Stevie's Resistance Band programs. These programs have been set up for every level of fitness. You can also try the brand new Stevie Richards Yoga Program to make sure your flexibility and balance improve so you can feel your best. Visit StevieRichardsFitness.com today and build a better you. ProWrestlingTees.com, the best way to support your favorite independent wrestlers, podcasts, and hosts from the Hami Media Group and Russo brand is to get their official merchandise exclusively at ProWrestlingTees.com. Support all of the great Hami Media Group talent by visiting their Pro Wrestling Tea stores, such as the Greek God Papadon, BWO Stevie Richards, Big Sal under SEG shirts, Chris Silvio, the superstar himself, and of course, Ben Hameen, Yala. Hey, Infidel. You want to become an official HMG operative? Well, now's your chance. Just follow us on Twitter at Hameen Media Group. Shoot us a request, and we'll send you the invite link so you can join the brand new private Discord server under Hameen Media Group. You can also join us on Facebook in the Hameen Media Discussion Group and interact with the entire HMG army. Play along in the Pick'em Challenges, hang out in the Watch Along threads, and interact with the HMG hosts. You can also check out all of HMG's Conspiracy Horseman propaganda on our Instagram by following us at Hameen Media Group. Like, follow, and share, or be destroyed. Once again, thank you to all of our sponsors, subscribers, followers, guests, producers, and hosts of Hameen Media Group. 2.2 million downloads for Hameen Media Group is all because of your efforts and support. Now, let's get to the main event. All right, so we are back for segment two. Thanks to MSG for that word from our friends over at Hameen Media Group. And Huckleberry, this all started... Because our, our good friend, Mr. Big Ray Hernandez, submitted a mailbag question about the New York Knicks. And so I was doing my research about the New York Knicks and what a dumpster fire that team is. And I came to the conclusion, I hate New York. Like, New York City, what in the hell is going on up there? Like, I love my Yankees. Don't get me wrong. But I mean... Between Cuomo 
and de Blasio. What's going on with the the NYPD with this religious head coverings thing we're going to talk about? They want to cancel the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree now. And now we've got New York schools promoting reforming white kids. I mean, like, what the fuck is going on in New York? Well, you know, and again, let's clarify here. When when we say New York, specifically, we're we're talking about New York City. Yes, specifically. And and more specifically, let's talk about the cesspool that is New York City. Uh, If you believe anything to these extreme leftist, socialist, social crap values and agendas that they are just festering in, within their own filth and trying to project on the rest of this country. Uh, and, and they're the leaders in this thing. And uh, maybe the, the largest is California as they've seemingly have, they have consumed their state top to bottom with this, with these ideas. Chicago inside of itself is another one, but at the very heart and soul of it all, this pure evil, empire no pun intended is new york city well and i feel like the biggest problem is the fact that so much of the american-based media is in new york city so they report everything like the entire country is new york city and and especially like you know our friend jimmy t down in australia our friend atherton over in the uk like the international world as they see our media everything is from this new york city perspective and it's like no like most of the country does not agree with this shit in any way shape or form when you go by you know actual space well, I think, you know, what's what's what I really like about what you mentioned there is how, you know, our friends around the world are viewing us simply by, you know, not just the media driven, but again, these individuals, these agendas coming out of New York. And therein lies the reason that seemingly you always hear that the world hates America. No, the world hates New York City. America hates New York City. Yes, I hate New York. It, it's just insane. Like I, all these stories I hear out of New York. I don't want. I don't want to say New York, New York City, because we've got great people up in upstate, in Rome, in Syracuse, in Buffalo. Those are real, you know, salt of the earth, great of the earth people. It, it, it lies inside of that bubble, the Big Apple, the absolute cesspool of just not just not America, but the world. And of course, at the very, very core of it is Cuomo. And now they want to give Cuomo a fucking Emmy because of his press conferences and his handling of the coronavirus. His handling of the coronavirus, at least 601,000 cases in New York City and 33,767 of the dead people in New York City can directly be related to Cuomo's entire 
old folks long-term care facilities bullshit where instead of actually sending these people to the hospital that Trump sent them, he just sent them back to their old folks' retirement homes and they infected everybody. 26% of the deaths in New York are a direct result of that decision. So by all means, let's give him an international award for how he handled things. Like how fucking stupid is this? Well, I, I thought you, I thought when you had put this here on the run, uh, it was a bit in jest as I thought it was going to be for the over dramatization of what we've seen here and, and the overreaction and the wool that he has pulled over his own citizens' eyes there. Uh, yeah, now I mean, now where is the finger pointing? Where are these deaths that should be you know laid at the feet and, and responsibility being handed out? Well, it's all Trump's fault. That, that, that's his defense. It's all Trump's fault. And it's like, no, motherfucker, you're the one that made that decision. Just drives me insane. That guy is such an asshole. America's mayor, my ass. And now you sent me this story. They're going to allow people to wear their religious head coverings in mugshots. The NYPD has come out and said that they are going to allow this. Huckleberry, I... I this happened in Texas not too awful long ago where the, the Pastafarians, are you familiar with the Pastafarians? Uh, again, you, when we were talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you had kind of mentioned it. And again, I thought, you know, this was just something that you were pulling out of the thin air. Uh, yeah, this, this is, I'll let you go into some detail on this. So the Pastafarians belong to the church of the flying spaghetti monster. Yes. You, you, you heard me correctly. The Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. It's actually a thing. A social movement that promotes lighthearted view of religion and opposes the teachings of intelligent design and creationism in public schools. According to adherents, Pastafariism is a real legitimate religion as much as any other. And so there was a whole deal down in Texas a few years ago where the Pastafarians wanted to be recognized that they could wear their religious headgear when it comes to driver's license photos and mug shots and whatnot. You know what their religious headgear consists of, Huckleberry? It's a fucking strainer on their head. A strainer. A spaghetti strainer. And that's, that's the direction that we're going because, you know, religious freedoms. In driver's license photos and mug shots. In any, you know, in any of these. And I and you're talking about two instances where we need to be able to visually and clearly make out an individual. Uh, you know, but he, you get even in more so into this when you get into some of what you know, Middle Eastern and like Indian kind of wear, where it I mean all you can actually see is the eyes, uh, the whites of the eyes. Uh, so while you're completely defeating your purpose. Now, I know there are, there are some provisions where they do have to have they can be photographed, not in their mug shot, uh, but while they're doing other identification practices, like looking for tattoos and things like that. So I mean, it's not like they're not going to have any record of these individuals. But still, I mean, what what's going to be public knowledge and what's going to be out there is going to be is going to be masked. Yeah, and, and one of the other things that they're really talking about is the hijabs. And uh, who, Ibrahim, who is it? Lila that just sounds, Ibrahim. That just sounds offensive. 
Lila Ibrahim is uh, the the woman who actually brought this suit. And she was arrested in 2018, asked to remove her hijab for the booking photo. And she tried to explain that she couldn't because of religious um, restrictions. And she says the hijab is part of someone's identity. Without it, I'm missing part of my skin and my body. And I understand all this, but I'm with you, man, especially at this point where we're trying to recognize people. Like if I get arrested, they when I go in, they make me take out all my earrings and all my other shit. Right. It, that's absolutely part of my identity, but it's not my identity. And they want a clear picture. You, you like, well, I, to me, you know, I've been there, uh, you know, it was just, you know, the other week I was out, it was just, just the other day and we're watching, you know, just the afternoon kind of cop, random cop shows where they're booking them into different centers. And we're like, holy crap, you know, that's the, that's the Hamden County Justice Center here at Cincinnati. Uh, those that have been following us, you know, I missed a show because I was in the lockup for a reason that was beyond my control and all that, but it th- thankfully was taken care of. And, uh, but yeah, you run through that ringer. So once you get checked into that place, but by all means, you know, I was completely exonerated of it. They apologized to me on the way out. But still, while you're treated there, you're as a criminal. If you committed a crime, me, you've given up that right to your your personal ideas and freedoms. Yeah, I, I just I don't understand what's going on with with all of this. Like, I understand religious freedom is a lot more important to a lot of other people than it is to me. But my God, we're, we're going to compromise the laws of the country to provide for your religious freedoms. That just doesn't seem logical to me. Well, you know, if, if I have, I mean, by this logic here, uh, if I have mass on a Sunday and whatever, the power went out, I, there was a traffic jam. I get an open road. Am I okay then to drive my car the wrong way on the highway, a hundred miles per hour, because I have to get to mass. Well, uh, Okay, let's take it even one step further. So let's say that someone who practices extreme Islam decides that he wants to blow up a mosque in the name of jihad, religious holy war. Can he not be held responsible because of his religious freedom? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'd have to exonerate, you know, send him, you know, to wherever. Like, at, at what point do you draw that line, you know? Absolutely. And that's what, you know, with these people pushing this, that they're going to keep moving that line further and further in the wrong direction. Well, and religion is one of those things that I I just don't think that justice has or should recognize. Uh, You're an individual. Hopefully when they are booking you, you're an actually citizen of this country. Uh, And at that point, when you're defining those different lines there, uh, there should there should be a hard separation, and if you want to comply with what we've got going on, then then you, you, those are foregone to me. Did you see the story about the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree? Yes. Well, I mean, there, there's kind of two stories. I mean, number one, there this was- is actually. This is actually, I've got the one that you've sent me here and I'm pulling it back up here to reference it. Cause I've actually had a couple others because as soon as I saw the headline here on the run, I remember, you know, this really making noise five years ago, maybe eight years ago. Uh, but you know, that's when it really began picking up steam here. And, but now under, you know, recent 
I guess the light of the world is really making a, a big comeback. Well, and and I guess there's kind of two stories here. So number one, they get they get the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree and they transport it to Rockefeller Center. And it, the tree was severely damaged in transport. That's that's story number one. That story, it seems everybody is talking about. But now there is a group of activists out there who want to cancel this the Rockefeller good. Center Christmas tree for good because this tree, there was like a, a certain kind of owl that lived in the tree that is endangered. And now we're, we're, we're destroying nature so that we can, you know, bow before the symbol of capitalism. And, all, and it's just like, what the hell is it's a Christmas tree. It's meant to be a Christmas tree. Let it be a Christmas tree. I, just, I don't understand this shit, man. Well, I, I do get into, okay, even this, is there, even if you want to, I don't know, and I, and I believe me, I completely would hate to see this, they would give up the tradition of bringing in the fresh tree and, and everything that goes into that, uh, but, you know, then we've still got people out there that want to get rid of it simply because of what it represents, and it, it is, again, the the Christian domination uh, that they've had the experience here in this side of this country, uh, just under, you know, the the celebration of Christmas itself. I mean, this is actually a line from this. We need to protect nature and reinvigorate our connection to it, or else we risk losing the planet, fueling more pandemics like the one currently keeping 125 million from mobbing this tree. My God. Well, so maybe the COVID, so maybe the COVID is doing something good then. <laughs> Just absolutely crazy. And then there was this story that came out. Um, Megan Kelly, who used to be a commentator at Fox and, News, and this one absolutely infuriates me. She she used to be a correspondent at Fox News. She left Fox News and went to MSNBC. She got fired from MSNBC, and now, much like Rick and I, because you know we're on the same level as Megan Kelly, she has a podcast. And it seems Megyn Kelly is moving the fuck out of New York City because she finally got smart after she received this letter from the New York City school where her boys attend. And I will just let Megyn Kelly actually read you this letter. This is a clip from her show. There is a killer cop sitting in every school where white children learn. They gleefully soak in their whitewashed history that downplays the Holocaust of indigenous native peoples and Africans in the Americas. They happily believe their all white spaces exist as a matter of personal effort and willingly use violence against black bodies to keep those spaces white. As black bodies drop like flies around us from violence at white hands, how can we in any of our minds conclude that whites are all right? White children are left unchecked and unbothered in their schools, homes, and communities to join, advance, and protect systems that take away black life. I am tired of white people reveling in their state-sanctioned depravity, snuffing out black life with no consequences. Where is the urgency for school reform for white kids being indoctrinated in black death and protected from the consequences? Where are the government-sponsored reports looking into how white mothers are raising culturally deprived children who think black death is okay? Where are the national conferences, white papers, and policy positions on the pathology of whiteness in schools? And here's the last part. This time, 
If you really want to make a difference in black lives and not have to protest this shit again, go reform white kids because that's where the problem is with white children being raised from infancy to violate black bodies with no remorse or accountability. Rick, what the fuck is this? There is a killer cop sitting in every classroom. We need to reform. We need to recondition white kids if we want to say black lives matter. Are you fucking kidding me? What the hell is this shit? Uh, I'll tell you what's absolutely sickening here. I mean, just on the surface, you look at this as, and let's, let's, let's call it for what it is. It's just not white shaming. This is racial shaming. Uh, to go at somebody because of the their skin tone, of their background, their upbringing, and, and completely just at their very core before they have a solid understanding of, of anything in the world to vilify them and, and to chastise them. This is absolutely garbage. It is sickening, lowest common denominator bullshit that is that they're trying to to, per, to project upon these kids here. Digging into this a little bit deeper, you're looking at the groups that are really driving this thing. And this is being brought forth by by actual Caucasians, by people of, of that are at this point here where they have gone so left that it, they're just ashamed of their own beings. Uh, and to sit there and say, you know, you've got you've got Quinn and, you know, I got Levi five and six years old to have somebody in a position of authority that should be respected, that we should be trusting here as educators. They're going to point their fingers and start labeling them as projected, not just troublemakers, but killers. Yeah. The, the, the racism problem in this country is so systemic to some of these people that they actually believe that, you know, there's a, a murderous white kid sitting in every classroom in this country. And I just, I don't believe that. And I, there's, I see no data to support that. There is none. There is absolutely zero. Uh, I mean, what if, you know, if we went anywhere in this country to an inner city school and we had to start initiatives to start at this point, starting to try to judge and figure out which ones are going to choose certain career activities. Uh, I, I'd be willing, you know, to bet, you know, that we can find under a certain poverty level that, you know, what kind of crimes or what's going to be committed there than just trying to say, okay, somebody might go into a law enforcement position or someone might get into a spot where they want to act out in violence against not just, not just a race, but against African-Americans. It's just incredible, you know, that we have the scientific community trying to manipulate our DNA and our very, very chemical makeup. And now we have our media and our schools trying to change everybody to the now, same now way here's one thing, you know, We can keep an eye on this thing. As I said, it's absolutely disgusting. I, I couldn't really find anything where actually the police unions or representatives up there were making comments in regard to this thing uh, almost as if, if they're kind of laughing it off of a certain sense uh, but again this is this is a, a reason why we're creating divide and it's is again where somehow in this country they are using the word equality as a disguise for priority and that is what's most disturbing yeah very much agreed very very much agreed and, uh, yeah really just thinking about this over the weekend 
kind of come up with, you know, looking for thoughts and ideas for the show and, and just really looking around and observing life as it happens around you. One of the major issues here in our society is we have become so accustomed to we are we're allowing we're running with the back of the pack. We are slowing everything down to make sure that individuals can keep up with it. It, it seriously is, you know, it, it is no lowest common denominator booking of of our life. Yeah. You if it's it's this point if you're the one that can excel if you're the one that's tremendous at arithmetic if you're the problem solver if you have got the the if you're the visionary that can you know can look forward to see what things are coming here you're actually the problem now you're the one that's being chastised because you're trying to move forward and you're not sticking back with this this herd mentality. Yeah, it's it's incredible, man. All of this and everything that's going on with the reconditioning, the manipulation of who we are at our very core and them basically just convincing us this is for your own good. And the, the, the mass is just going along with it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like yesterday I saw that Bernie Sanders came out and said, you know, not only do we need another stimulus payment, did you hear what he wants for his new stimulus plan? He thinks that every American should receive $2,000 a month, not one time, monthly. We should all receive $2,000 a month from the federal government. And if you're unemployed, then you should receive an extra $600 a week. Back to that 600 a week. Back to that six hundred. Six hundred yeah, a that's, week. Yes, that's that's your that's your fifteen dollars that Bernie had been pushing for the minimum wage. If you were to work forty hours, that gets six hundred dollars. You know, and it's just like here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna give you all a whole bunch of free money, and it's not gonna be worth a goddamn thing because the inflation will be insane. But this is also coming from the same genius that just wants to forgive the billions in college loans. Uh, because just, it, it's it's just not fair for people, and it just should be forgiven, and it, you know that money's just going to come from from wherever. And again, my question is: Does that mean you're just going to give me my money back because you know I was actually responsible and paid my money? Oh no, no, you don't want to do that. Well, then fuck you, fucking New Yorkers. Mister Big Ray Hernandez sent into the mailbag, and he wants us to talk about fucking Knicks. the fucking hey Knicks. i did anyway, before we before we get into this and then we appease big ray by talking about the uh the knickerbockers uh do you want to thank him you know as we celebrate around the survivor series time around november uh, a bit of an anniversary with the hameen media group as this was you know survivor series was like the first big event that we had covered when we came on board with the the monday locker room and then had the opportunity to bring hitting the marks over uh and it really all got gold a lot with big ray who who saw something in us there thought we could bring you know so much to the platform and got us to meeting with ben and we've been here as i guess the i guess not the founding fathers but we were that first wave uh behind big ray and ben that that really started to see the wheels started to turn here and it's been quite incredible what the Hamid media group has become. Yeah. Watching it as it's built, it's just been incredible. And now it sounds like big Ray may be going back to the impact attack. Like things might be coming full circle it's, for big Ray. It too. actually, uh, yes, actually, um, 
Incredible news coming out of the Monday locker room this week. Big Ray is going to be heading back to to reunite where it all began, him and Ben Hameen, and they're going to have uh, the good doctor, Ted McNailer, in there with them. We've also got big announcements. We are retooling a little bit, bringing in a couple more pros. They're going to take over uh, Next Level. Oh, very cool. So Very cool. You, you, you let me and Atherton do one show together, and all of a sudden, you know, we've been canceled, and they're replacing us with actual yes. professionals. I see how this works. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I do see, though, you know, ultimately, though, this is a very New York move out of Big Ray. Uh, to see how he has manipulated himself back into the picture of programming that's enjoyable to watch for, for professional wrestling. You know, he gets stuck there on that on Fridays with the smack attack. Uh, absolutely. Hey, there's him and Colin at the time. It was the hardest working men in the business having to cover and it was bring rough. what SmackDown was to entertainment uh, to make it entertaining. But no, then Big Ray, he suddenly, you know, he he's he's found this light. He wants to to follow to follow Jesus. Uh, so they pawn off. They they not only pawn it off. They send it across the pond, the smack attack, and then just within weeks, he he's ready to do wrestling again. Again, very New York of Big Ray. Very New York, very New York. So here's the the note from Big Ray. First, I wanted to say I'm super happy to hear that you guys are working together again. Makes me feel at home. Thank you, Big Ray. Let me jump into this real quick. There are talks that the New York Knicks are interested in bringing in Lonzo Ball and Gordon Hayward to the team. Well, we now know that the Gordon Hayward move is not going to happen. He, he ended up going south, not going north. Um, I, I'm a big fan of bringing in Lonzo Ball, being that he is a pass-first point guard who averages 10 points a game and a little over seven assists a game. Hayward, well, I guess we're, there's not even any point in really talking about Hayward now that we know that he didn't sign with the Knicks. Uh, he would also like our thoughts on the Knicks draft night. I'm super happy with Obi and quickly. I feel Obi has an NBA-rated body, and he will bring excitement back to the Knicks organization. Quickly, a lights-out shooter who can bring instant and consistent shooting from the outside. I'm a lifelong Knicks fan, and I'm not a bandwagon jumper like some Brooklyn Nets fans are. I will stick with my team until the day I die. Let's go, Knicks. Thanks for answering my email, boys. Love you both, and God bless. Well, we love you too, Big Ray. And we're about well, to bury Was that a little bit of a shot at... Was that a little bit of a shot at Bellow in there for the uh, the, the Nets? <laughs> well, I, what Brooklyn Possibly. is doing, I mean, if they end up pulling off this Harden thing, that it's just going to explode. I, I see absolutely no way that ends well for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I agree with you there 100%. And were we talking about just privately? I thought we talked about that somewhere. Uh, but, you know, back to New York. Hey, you know what? Uh, I, I popped a the first round pick there a little bit of mid Ohio heading to New York. Yeah. He went to uh, Dayton. They pick up the Dayton flyer. Yep. And a little bit of a surprise that he had slid that far. Uh, he was projected a little bit higher. And I know, you know, just so many people here in the Midwest were, were much higher on him. Uh, but even, you know, even seen nationally uh, that he slid a little bit there. I, I do like that pick there for the Knicks. Uh, again, I think he is quite a bit of ways. His big race said he does have that big frame on him, uh, but it's a much different game. I, I'm going to see how how he transitions in that transition from Dayton Flyer basketball to the NBA. I'm interested to see what direction the New York Knicks go. Um, on July 30th, they named Tom Thibodeau as their new head coach. 
Thibodeau holds a career uh, record of 352 and 246 over eight seasons with Chicago and Minnesota. 589 winning career percentage is 11th best in NBA history amongst coaches who have coached at least 500 games. Of course, I'm very, very familiar with Tibbs when he was uh, in the Chicago market and then in Minneapolis. I'm interested to see how his brand of basketball is going to be reflected in New York because, Rick, when you look at the Knicks, they were certainly not a defensive team in any way, shape, or form. And that's kind of my fear with Obi his highlights are great. You're going to love him at the offensive end of the floor, but you got to play defense too. And that Knicks team, they do not look like they're um, necessarily a fearful defensive unit to me. Well, you know, even when you look at the high spots for them, as you know, they're putting them out, you've got great alley oop ability. Uh, explosion on the floor to the basket. Again, nothing really on the resume highlighting the defensive end. Again, that's going to be one of those things he's going to have to really work on his game. Uh, we were worried about in well, the longer format, even the, even the conditioning. Well, and the other thing is, too, is Tibbs. Like, you know, when I think of those Bulls teams that he was coaching, when I think of those Minnesota teams he was coaching – do you think of an up and down the floor, fast transition, slicing to the basket, alley-oop kind of offense? I mean, th- this is Tom Thibodeau. It's not the New Orleans Hornets or no, Pelicans or whatever I, the but, fuck they're called this week. Yeah, but inside of that, you can slow it down, set your foundation, set that base, but then still use those tools that he's going to bring bring to the team and they just have that open court explosion that you can make things happen in, you know, just the moment. And I think that's what they're excited about there with them. He doesn't, you know, it's not has to be run and gun style. You can slow it down, get some people, look for that opening. You know, it's just like a very masterful NFL offense, you know, or football offense where you're just picking somebody apart there. And then you wait for that big explosion. That's what they're hoping for. I'm just, as I'm looking at the layout of this team, I'm just, I'm feeling a very, very uh, big disconnect between the style of players that they have on this team. I mean, when you talk about guys like R.J. Barrett, you talk about guys like Austin Rivers, who they just signed, Obi, Julius Randle, Nerlens Newell, who they just signed. Like, I feel like this should be a run-and-gun team, and then it's going to be Tom Thibodeau coaching it. And it, it just feels like it, there's going to be this kind of – constant pull between the coaching staff and the players that I just, I don't feel like it's going to work. Well, I, I think this is the biggest issue. We can, we can talk players and personnel all day. Again, this is going to fall on and there's not a lot of wiggle room again. You know, they're going to have to find a balance of how this works, but unfortunately with this franchise, they are such, they are so down in the gutter. There's not a lot of time for that. You know, what is the leash before, again, we're talking about some another reset, which we seem to get at least every three years here with this Knicks team. And that difference in philosophy brings me to Lonzo. I think Lonzo would be a terrible fit for this team. Lonzo needs to be on a team where he's going up and down the floor as fast as he possibly can, and he can throw an alley-oop to Zion Williamson, and it makes him look great, and we can forget about the fact that he can't shoot. Like That, to me, is Lonzo Ball's game. I don't think he would be a very good fit for the Knicks at all. 
And if you're if you're looking for you know those short bursts, I don't know if I trust him in that quarterback position. No, as you said, it's got to be a transition where he can give you that hot pass, that good hand that's going to get you up and down with those major superstars like that. It's really going to be interesting to see, as you said, Jerry, I mean, how these styles gel. But again, this is going to be going into this thing right now. This ownership team, your management team has, has had to realize that these different styles in here. And it had to be at the center of some very serious talks as they're signing, you know, signing players and preparing strategies for the season. I want the Knicks to be good. I mean, the league is better. When the New York teams are good, you know, kind of like the L.A. teams. Well, at least the Lakers. Fuck the Clippers. What you get into, you know, as we were talking about even with Dallas earlier, you know, it's one of those things you see it in baseball and all that. When you do have those big metropolises like that, you know, you're going to have that tremendous split. Those that just head over heels are in love with them and those that are just simply tuning in to hate them. And that makes for compelling stories and it makes for tremendous television and then it's going to produce incredible revenue there have been a ton of moves the last couple of days throughout the nba uh the lakers being one of the teams that has been incredibly active uh rick have you been following much of the free agency wire it seems like everybody in the nba is moving around not the superstar players but those guys that are going to be the third option the fourth option there's a lot of shakeup going on in the nba this week well i think this all comes down to you know again we we touched on last week not much of a room in the salary cap right now, but how how much further is it going to continue to fall past this? I think that's what a lot of this movement's about. And then, as you as you mentioned, Jargo, maybe we're looking at the two, three, and four spots. But coming up here shortly, we're going to have a lot of ones and twos that are looking for new deals as well. Yeah, I, you bring up a lot of teams dumping salary. The Knicks alone dumped forty million in cap space the other day. So as I look wow. at the Knicks roster right now, this is what I think Big Ray is going to be looking at. Alfred Payton as your starting point guard. R.J. Barrett at shooting guard, who I absolutely love with a backup of Austin Rivers. Small forward. They've got OB listed as a small forward. Do you buy into that? Yeah, I, I, right. You, know, you, you want him. I they're probably going to fill out a little bit when I already a big guy, tremendous frame, as Ray said, and all that. Uh, but this is more of a position I think that you want him in. Uh, and then if you are going to run that short that short court, you're giving that small forward a little bit more room to roam. That's going to build up those those explosive plays that you're looking for. I think if he's going to be a small forward, he's absolutely going to have to develop that mid range jump shot because I I, I seriously wonder how well he's going to work at small forward. To me, he's much more of a power forward. There, But, of course, their part, power forward is Julius Randle, and I think I would start Randle over Toppin. Um, Big Ray doesn't seem to like Julius Randle. He says Julius Randle's a bum. I agree with him. What do you think of Julius Randle? I'd have to agree with you guys here. I don't know if he's bringing, what he's really going to add. Uh, and he's going to be one of those trouble spots for the team, I think. I mean, I was a Lakers fan. Let me tell you about Julius Randle. My God. Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel, their they're starting center. I wouldn't surprise me to see that flip. Um, I, I think the Knicks are going to be better under Thibodeau. It'll be a much more disciplined team. 
but I don't know if they're going to be much better when it comes to the win column. I think this is going to be a very interesting team to watch. Well, again, you know, this is you get kind of hot there in the East, which which is easy. You can easily make a move here. And again, but this is do you trust the ownership and ultimately the top management here that they're finally going to get moving in in the right direction? I mean, you think at some point, you know, the the sun's got to shine on a dog's ass every once in a while. Right. And it's been a long time since they've had anything like that there for basketball in New York. And and you're right. It's just good for the sport and it's good for the entire league. I feel like the Knicks are really behind the eight ball. When, when you've got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and potentially James Harden playing in Brooklyn, where is that going to leave the Knicks? Well, and maybe this is a little bit of where, you know, the Knicks have always been in that spotlight. Maybe having the opportunity to step back for just a moment to reset where you're you're not the focal point once the, the Nets get up and going here. I still think that just because of the history, the tradition, you know, a lot of the purists there are still going to be looking, they're going to have, the Knicks are still going to be under that microscope. As long as Spike doesn't start showing up at Barclays, they'll be all right. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then hit us with one of those five stars and help us out in the algos. Special thanks to our friends over at the HCM Podcast Network, hittingthemarks.com. Our friends over at Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com and hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. Be sure that you keep up with me across all social media at NotJargo and my other show, Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast at Destino Pod. Follow Hitting the Marks at HTMPWPod. Huckleberry, I think I might uh, just take the rest of this week off and uh, watch me a whole lot of World Tag League, a whole bunch of Best of Super Juniors, probably come out with a new episode of Destino maybe sometime next week. Take the Thanksgiving week off. What do you got going on? I know that you've been like one of the hardest men in podcasting the last 48 hours. You've done like three shows. Hey, we'll wrap it up here on the record day, but hey, you know what? It, it feels good. We're working off some ring rust, but it feels good to be back in the saddle again. Looking forward to many many more projects like i said you got some you get some stuff in the works you're gonna have some exciting announcements coming this week you know it's about the food baby so i'm gonna be uh out on the trail doing some more food food photo ops this weekend so you know what that means it's gonna delicious of the day it's gonna be booming baby i think i'm gonna get it going with uh Give me some turkey tacos. You know what? I was actually talking to my mom about turkey tacos just the other day. She's like, you know, if if you guys want to get together like on Saturday or something, you know, we don't have to do turkey. And I was like, how about turkey tacos? Turkey tacos. That seems like a real, real potential there. I like it. Now, what I I would do with that there is don't do the ground. Do the shredded. So it's not the same. Because I actually sometimes on the tacos when I'm doing them at home will substitute the ground turkey. Uh, because, you know, as you say, you know, it's a little bit leaner, easier on you. Uh, and once you put the season on there, you're not getting any difference. But, yeah, go with the shredded and maybe a little bit of a lighter taco seasoning so you can still get that flavor of the tacos. Or, hey, you just do everything that's, you know, the tradition. You, you put the tacos on there. How about some corn? Oh, yeah, some mashed potatoes and gravy in there. Top that thing off with uh, with some shredded cheese. There you go, baby. Thanksgiving taco style. Oh, I think I'm going to go eat. We'll talk to you next week. Everybody have a very, very safe and a very, very happy Thanksgiving. And we'll talk to you next week back here on Hitting the Marks. But for now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. Don't give up.